Welcome back to Crop 28. I'm really excited to share this interview with you. I had a great conversation with Emilian Belay, and I really appreciate his time. So I hope you enjoy. So hello everyone, welcome back to Crop 28. I'm really happy to be joined today by Millian Bellet, who is the general coordinator at an organization called um, the Alliance for Food Sovereignty in Africa. He's also the founder of an NGO in Ethiopia called Melka Ethiopia, and he's a member of the International Panel of Experts on Sustainable Food Systems. So I'm really glad to be joined by him today, excited for this conversation. Um, could you start just a quick introduction about yourself and the organization uh, Alliance for Food Sovereignty in Africa, and then we'll get into some more specific questions. Okay, my name is Milion Bele. I'm the general coordinator of the Alliance for Food Sovereignty in Africa. Uh, it's the biggest alliance in Africa, working in 50 of the 55 African countries. Our constituencies include farmers, fisher folks, pastoralists, indigenous peoples, women, youth, religious institutions, consumer associations. It's the biggest alliance. Probably about 20, no, 200 million in Africa, so it's a big group. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've said. And uh, the central, the center of our work is uh, to work for the transformation of African agriculture from what it is now to agroecology. Uh, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Great, thank you. Um, and I was looking on your website, you have all those different groups in the Alliance. What are some of those? Um, what are some of the strengths that those that broad coalition of different kinds of groups? What is that? How does that strengthen the organization? Yeah, I think it's a membership organization, and like other organizations, where you can have uh, a secretariat, which kind of works the work of uh, uh, the network. What we are trying to do is to get uh, the membership participation. So the members are divided into four working groups. One working group works on climate issues. Uh, this is uh, to work uh, for governments in, in other institutions, include agroecology in climate policy spaces, like the NDCs, the Kyoto Protocol, and all that. Uh, that's one, one group. The second uh, group uh, we call um, land working group. The land working group, they have two areas of work. Uh, one is on advocacy, land advocacy, women's land rights, uh, community rights around land issues, you know, all, all that. And also the agroecology, uh, you know, it has three legs. One of the legs is a social movement and the other is uh, practices, agroecological practices. And the, the, rest, the third one is uh, science. So the agroecological practices, this land working group works on a range of practices. And improving the soil and, and, and water in, in the bigger landscape. So that's the land working group. The third is the seed working group. It works in the protection of uh, African seed from ownership by Western based institutions and through companies and whatever. But the other is uh, we are developing a framework which we call the farmers manage um, seed framework. And uh, in this framework, uh, we, we are, we are, we are uh, talking about how farmers can own, can exchange their seeds, can they store and whatever, which is not possible under the, <coughs> the biggest trade framework. Um, the fourth one is what we call Citizens Working Group. 
We are working on uh, agroecological entrepreneurship, uh, as well as on a campaign, which we call My Food is Africa. So these are membership-led organizations, I mean uh, groupings. So every member is divided uh, itself into, into uh, these four working groups, and they're very, very active, uh, these working groups. That's how the membership works. Great, thank you. Um, and then, be it called the African Alliance on Food Sovereignty, what does food sovereignty mean to you, and how, be it that we're at, at COP, how does climate change relate to food sovereignty? Yeah, um, I think if you talk about food sovereignty, you have to talk food security. Uh, food security talks about availability of food, accessibility of food, uh, but now they have, uh, I mean, the, the, the stability of this accessibility and availability. And now they have added agency and sustainability. But in uh, food sovereignty, um, questions the, the political relationship that exists around the food system. Who owns food system um, and uh, who suffers because of that ownership, you know? The haves and the have-nots. And what is the cause of the current food system crisis that we have? And also the current climate crisis in relation to food. Who causes that? that that's, that that's a question that uh, is asked by the food sovereignty agenda. And uh, food sovereignty talks also about how food is produced. Is the food produced in a sustainable manner or is it harming the environment? Uh, or is it one of the causes of this greenhouse gas emissions? You know, is there any way of farming? And that uh, agroecology comes in, you know? And food sovereignty uh, asks also the most important question of who owns the economy, you know, uh, the farmer's economy, so farmers to have, uh, to own, uh, they have to own the land and they have to own also the market, you know, the market system. That's why this whole idea of territorial markets, which are markets closer to people, are very, very much important. So that's how they, they differ. Great. And then I think related to that, talking about the have and the have-nots and mm -hmm. who has power in this system, how have you seen industrial agriculture exert influence in Africa? Uh, one, by framing the narrative. So the narrative uh, is very simple, very, you can understand it easily. Um, it's they support it with a lot of data, you know, in brackets. Um, so this narrative says that African governments have no money, which is true. So we need to bring business. So if you bring business, you have to change your laws and sometimes your, your constitutions. You need to produce new framework, you know. So the, the you have to change so much to accept business, and also you have to build so much to accept business. So taking money out of your own resources to make it possible for business to come to your own country. The second is, you know, they tell you that you cannot produce without agrochemicals, you know. So they create markets uh, around pesticides and artificial fertilizers and whatever. So these African seeds are tired, so we need to produce uh, vigorous seeds, you know, the GMOs and generated growth and all that. Uh, and also uh, part of this, this uh, narrative is that uh, we have to reorient your agriculture to market, which focuses on few crops, you know, on few calorie high calorie rich crops, uh, like maize and uh, rice and you know, these kind of things. So that, that destroys your diversity. 
And finally, they talk about uh, the, the power of science, the power of technology, any state of people's knowledge in Indian practice. So they frame uh, your agricultural transformation in this block, you know. Uh, so there is no political analysis, there is no political economic analysis there. So that's where the influence starts and they bring a lot of money um, because of that, you know, the people are receptive and the education system both in the West in our countries also reinforces that. See? Yeah. It denigrates what the people's knowledge, what people know. Uh, because of that, slowly but surely you become a slave. You know, it's a continuation of that, that's why you call it neo-colonialism. It's a continuation of the colonial system. That's why yeah, thank you. Another question related to narrative is, I've been to a lot of cool agroecology presentations here at COP, but we know that that is still not a mainstream accepted yeah, yeah. Uh, tre technique. And one of the things, maybe a narrative question that people critique agroecology is they ask, how can that feed this growing population of going to be 10 billion people? So how do you respond to those critiques? Yeah, it's a very good question. And a lot of critics. Well, what is feeding the people now? Is it industrial agriculture? Will be the question. You see? Uh, they are not feeding the world now. Uh, the, the productivity is tapering in so many cases. And you have to use more and more uh, fertilizers, more and more pesticides. Uh, but uh, the fact is that you know we have proven that in so many, so many, so many fields, in agricultural fields in Africa, that for the first one or two or three years, it's true that when you put in chemicals, the productivity increases. But if you improve your soil, I mean, leaving your soil as it is, is no option. It's no option. You have to do something with your soil, with your landscape. Uh, question is, do you have other ways of treating your soil in your landscape? That's the great answer is yes. There are a range of methods in, in agroecology, which you can use in biofertilizers. It's a range of biofertilizers, about 25 and 26 of them. Uh, you, know, you can do soil and other conservation. You can do quite a lot. And using that, you can produce diverse foods um, uh, and uh, healthy food, and culturally appropriate food. It, it is possible. And we have uh, we have proven that. So it is possible to produce uh, more food. But sometimes also, how do you measure? How do you measure? You know, in, in a diverse environment, uh, the measurement can include uh, these diverse crops. You know. But uh, if you compare one and one, maize and maize in uh, agroecology land, it may not be that much. But if you include other things. Also, there is something called true cost accountability. True cost accountability means, true cost accounting means um, when you're using the soil agricultural system, you pollute uh, soil, you increase greenhouse gases, whatever. if you reduce all those costs, from uh, industrial agriculture at the end of the day. And there is a, a new study that uh, I was not involved with, I was involved with writing the paper about the efficiency of the industrial agriculture system. How much uh, oil and gas you're using to uh, produce food and how much uh, is accountable, you know? So when you do the, the math, the amount of energy in labor that is used in the agriculture with the product 
when you compare it to the product, it's not that efficient. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, thank you. Another, I think you mentioned this earlier, but another technique yeah. used by industrial agriculture is genetically modified seeds. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little about that and how that relates to seed sovereignty? Um, genetically modified seed, I think mostly in Africa, uh, these BT cottons, you know, BT maize, you know, the, the BTs. So, uh, in so many countries it has failed, you know, the only country that, that's uh, still pushing is South Africa. So, did it solve the problem of South Africa? Is a question. Malnutrition in South Africa is more than 40%. Obesity in South Africa is the highest, even uh, as compared to other countries. In Africa, it's, it's the highest, super highest. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a woman. And the basis of South African food is maize which is GE, you see? Uh, so all the things that they have said, you know, the, the increase the use of the group, which is productivity increase. And now they are talk, st talking about stuck genes, you know? So it's not as it says, it has failed, uh, basically, but there is, there is a push, um, and it's not, it doesn't go with the food, so right? At the end of the day, for you to be food sovereign, you have to be seed sovereign. Seed sovereignty comes in when you when you use your own your own seed. But you know, in terms of productivity, there is a possibility of enhancing the productivity of your own seeds. We have we have uh, looked at an environment where uh, scientists, conventional breeders, and scientists and farmers have come together to identify you know, what what criteria do they want from their own seed. And after that, bulking their seed, you know, increasing the productivity of It is possible, and farmers have been doing it for centuries, you know, increasing the productivity of their own seed. So there are so many, so many, so many possibilities of producing more from the seeds that you have. Okay, great. Just a couple more questions before we fin finish up. One, um, any reaction to the big agriculture agreement that came out a few days ago with that 130 countries signed on and then also what are you hoping for for the rest of this COP both individually uh, what you're doing here and for the negotiations around food and agriculture okay I think that the agreement it has good elements for the first time that it, this kind of agreement is signed uh, gives you a good framework to go back and see that you've said this but you know you are you are missing this something like so the fact that it is on the table is very much positive very much promising but uh, there are some emphasis on also on technology so much emphasis on technology you know um everybody needs technology we use technology now we are when we speak we're using technology so it's not being uh, anti-technology uh, there are two issues here one is the issue of data now the biggest five richest companies in the world are data mining companies. So, so data is resource, data is money now. So where is this data going? Um, and also what kind of technology? Yeah. For us, do we, can you control the technology? Can you easily maintain it on your own farm or whatever? Where does it exist? It comes from technology and power are on par, as you know. So that emphasis 
kind of worries you because it's not refined, it's not defined what kind of technology it is. Otherwise, the fact that the agenda is coming here is a big thing. So my hope, um, I have been so many courses where my hopes are dashed. So I come I always come with a lower hope, so that I don't I don't go back frustrated, you know. Um, so my hope is not huge, and I hope that there is an agreement on agriculture. I'm following that, you know, with my colleagues. Um, so on agriculture, we are hoping that agroecology becomes prominent. We don't see that yet. Uh, we are hoping that you know that, that there will be future discussion points on agriculture and hopefully they put agroecology as part of that and again there's a lot of uh, negotiation still as we are talking going on so I don't know too much um, this is because I want to be happy at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah and just one last question can you talk a little bit about the organization Helka Ethiopia and what what they're working on in Ethiopia Malka Ethiopia yeah Melka Ethiopia is one of those unique organizations. It's not because I started it, but uh, at the center of Melka's work is culture. Uh, where Melka has managed to register two big forces in Ethiopia under UNESCO, Man in the Biosphere Reserve. Uh, and there is also an effort now to, to say more. I mean to, to put some more uh, forces under this mechanism. And the second is, it has a program with youth. You know, uh, people talk about culture, but it's culture, which is with our elders, women, is it flowing to the next generation is a question. So it's this flowing, this river, is a huge problem. Somercast is trying to connect the two generations so that knowledge from the previous generation flows into one. And Merca works also on a range of force in, in the participatory force management issues. And also in some areas it, it's working on agroecology issues. It's also an advocacy organization uh, advocating for uh, food system transformation, agroecology. Yeah, that's what uh, Merca does. Great. And then just last thing, is there anything we didn't talk about that you'd like to mention or any resources that you would suggest for people who want to learn more about any of these topics we've talked about? I mean, I would advise them to go to our website and register also to the information um, because every week people would get really, really good information on food systems and agroecology and uh, we publish quite a lot as a an organization uh, so yeah they can do that uh, in general AFSA works with two hands on one hand we provide solutions alternatives on the other we fight so any kind of support that we get uh, any kind of you know networking support uh, engagement support resource support will also be appreciated